0: What's up, Apologia peeps? This is Luke the Bear. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up that we did this show about Kim Davis. Um, We called her a Christian without uh, fully
1: knowing her, where she stands doctrinally. It was right as the news was happening, so we didn't have any knowledge of a church she attends or anything.
0: Right, and we're not saying, we're not making a stand to say she is or is not a Christian. We're just saying without understanding where she was doctrinally.
1: Yeah, so... uh no need to fire up your blogs.
0: Yeah, don't come after. Her. Yeah. Don't blog me, bro.
1: <laughs> all right. Thanks.
2: Non-rock a
1: boat stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it.
2: Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? or are you going yeah, to bite? Uh, you delusional. Yeah, Delusional? Yeah. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> she hung up on me? <laughs> <laughs> like what? What?
3: Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage.
0: Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples.
2: I yeah. got I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pasta. When we have the real message
1: of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not.
2: Nothing of all that he has given to me but raise it up on the last day. That is a beautiful, beautiful truth. Amen, y'all. Amen. 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 Yes, yes. Another episode of Apologia Radio. We're back in the studio today. That's what a bear. That's a bear to my right. That's me. Call him Luke Pearson. That's his other his that's other my, that's his other name. That's my giving. His man. other one. Um Luke Pearson the bear. Pastor of Apologia Church. I'm the ninja pastor at Apologia Church. You're listening to Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com and you can also get all kinds of other cool nifty gifties there. Great stuff on that website. You can become part of our all-access community that now gets to talk to each other. Isn't that right, King Ginger? We have forums. We have forums now at ApologiaRadio.com for all of our all-access. So those of you guys that are part of all-access that get the weekly television program, that get our after show, that get our on the couch with the pastor when we have pastors in for that and uh, get all the other content and, and are soon to actually receive the first, the first session of our Apologia Academy uh, you can go there now and you can uh, start talking to each other in the forums. It's exciting stuff Marcus Pittman. Yeah, it's going to be really cool because if you have a question
1: that's on the Academy you can go to the forum and we'll answer it and it won't be like Facebook where you have a bunch of trolls and stuff. Yeah. You know, people are paying for this resource, so yeah, it'll be a very valuable tool, and it'll be saved and searchable, wow. and it'll just be there for a long time. So, go on the go on the forum and get to know each other, get to know the other all access members, and talk and hang out and and share some memes
2: or something. Yeah. And uh, Candy, when she saw it this morning, she was like, "How did you guys do that?" I said, "Because he's Marcus Pittman." That's what Act, I said. Actually, it was Eric. But, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was your idea. It so. was, yes. Kudos. Yeah. And to my left is uh, Rebecca the Lady. Hey, hey, hey. That's the lady over there. I she's, am. uh She's um, doing a wonderful job. Yes. Uh, Joy the Girl yes. is away being a farmer yeah. for a couple months, quite literally. She went to the farm. She went to the farm, uh, <laughs> the phony <funny> farm, <laughs> with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, someone from our church, Ben Gobert, uh, at Gobert Farms, mm-hmm. and uh, she's having a killer time there uh, watching uh, basketball games.
0: Yeah, hopefully ba- she's not really killing anybody.
2: Yeah, yeah, but uh, is it basketball she was watching today? It was, it was, was baseball. Oh, baseball. Oh, baseball. Oh, baseball. Yeah. Okay. Nice, nice try. Ball. Yes, ball ball. Did she see any goals get made? Um... <laughs> And uh, so anyway, yeah, this is uh, an exciting episode. We're going to talk about reform theology. We're going to talk about the sovereignty of God God in salvation. We're going to talk about the grace of God towards sinners. That's what this is all about. I discovered recently that I have a lot of new Arminian friends. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really know I saw it. that. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, I assume maybe, but it's interesting. I have, uh, the maximum allowable friends on Facebook. Um, and so I, you know, I let people on and, Just bragging. No, I, I, <laughs> I do. And it's full, but I, so I let a lot of people on that. I don't know, you know, necessarily, actually personally. And I posted something last week, like a thing about like God's sovereignty and his salvation and grace and boy, oh boy. I took a beating. They got crazy, huh? I, I took sucked a beating into
1: the Facebook vortex.
2: Yeah, I, 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 people just uh, revealed that uh, there are some differences of opinion. Um, I think, uh, respectfully, with Jesus on this point. <laughs> uh, John chapter 6, Jesus... Way to be subtle and drop that name. I, yeah. Did you just Jesus them? I, Yeah, but in a, in a righteous, legitimate kind of way. Uh, John chapter 6, Jesus says that everyone the Father gives to Jesus comes to him. So the giving of the Father, of the people, to the Son actually is what is before their coming. So... What precedes the coming of people to Christ is they're being given by the Father. And Jesus says that he will never fail in raising up everybody the Father draws and bringing to salvation everybody that the Father has given to him. So that's John chapter 6, guys. We're going to talk about that today with one of our favorite people in the entire world. And quickly, I will say this. Check it out. Not only are you going to get the first Apologia Academy on apologetics and then leading into Mormonism. We filmed it. We filmed it last night. But we are, God willing, according to his grace and power, going to have right after that um, our next Apologia Academy done by what well, we call Samson Claus, Because we usually have names for everyone that comes in. If you were ever on the show, Luke would create a name for you and we probably would drive it home until it's just ridiculous. Except
1: for you. He didn't create a name for you.
2: No, I wasn't was, allowed. Was I wasn't people, allowed to. Other people that call me the ninja, I use that. One and other person, yeah. People call me in high school. They call me the ninja in high Damn, school. I've never talked to those people. <laughs> okay. Hey man, what, easy, um, we're, we're, Bella. Hey, we're, okay. you already got enough damage equipment oh, I know, today, right? Marcus <laughs> Pittman. Um, so his real name is, um, well, uh, you can call him King Samson. You can call him the Brit. um, Well, his real name is John Sampson, and he loves Jesus, and he loves the grace of God and salvation, and he loves God's sovereignty, and he loves to talk about it. And so, John Sampson, welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. (laughs) That was it? (laughs) Oh, okay. It
4: was a long drum roll. It was, it was, it was. (laughs) I'd like to thank uh, my kindergarten teacher. I'd like to... (laughs) thank the people that cut the roses when i was five years old outside my house I'd like to thank uh, people from belgium <laughs> people from
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so uh john sampson what are you up to lately pastoring uh, king's church in uh, peoria arizona and um, annoying as many people as i can with the truth of god's word now i'm teaching and uh, very very much enjoying some of the avenues the Lord has been opening up and yeah. Glad to be with you today. Yes, and we have a secret we're sitting on for now. Um
2: mm-hmm. we're sitting on it for now. Are we? I don't even know what you're talking about. Can we just about. say it? We agreed. Okay. Okay, okay yeah. just, just, just this is exciting. Oh,
4: oh,
1: whoa! <laughs> it's gonna be a hundred part series. I almost had a <laughs> Charismatic moment, then. 100-part 100, 100 series. I'm talking about The Thing. The Thing. In the thing. Arizona. Woo! Oh, Marcus, that thing. Marcus, that Marcus thing. am I allowed to say that? No, no, I thought you were talking about... They can't talk about that one. Oh. But I thought you were talking about the class.
2: Okay, all right. All right. Well, no, we already, already okay. talked about that. All right, so let me just say this, because now you're really, you guys are going to hate us now. Um, there's something happening next year. It's going to be very exciting. We're sitting on it now, because it's a little bit of a secret. We're probably going to let you know very, very soon... Um, about what's up with that? Uh, just, but, just, uh, just, just, uh, just, just, what's just up with that? Start looking. What's for, up with that?
1: Start looking for plane flights to Arizona next year.
2: Yeah, start planning yeah. around Junish. around Junish to get a ticket. To something, Arizona. Might,
1: something might be happening to, in Arizona. Come hang out with us.
2: Yeah, and it's gonna be very cool. Yeah, we'll leave it at that yeah, for now. Okay. John Sampson, we're gonna have you do um, an Apology Academy on the doctrines of grace, um, the doctrines of salvation. And so talk about that for a second. Give everyone sort of a little promo for what to expect.
4: I'd love to take someone uh, from absolute ignorance of the scriptures to a working knowledge of what God has done for us in salvation, assuming nothing and then just building truth upon truth, starting with God. Oftentimes when you hear of uh, salvation, we often start from where man is and our feelings, and that's where we go wrong. It's a bit like, Buttoning a shirt, if you get the wrong button in the wrong hole at the top, it's going to be wrong all the way down. And when we start with man, we end up with a false understanding of salvation. But if we start with God and who he is and our need of him and our defiance of him, which is what sin is. Yeah. Then we start to have a biblical reference to talk about all that God has done, is doing and will do by his triune act in redemption of uh, the father electing the son Uh, Securing that salvation And the Holy Spirit Applying it to the elect Amen Very good So be on the lookout For that guys First one I just started uh, Last
2: night We filmed for it Uh, There's gonna be It's gonna be four parts Mine is four parts Um, So John Sampson Is much cooler than me Because his is gonna be six um, four parts and mine is on apologetics kind of 101 but it's not just 101 we're going to get into a, a couple more advanced kind of uh, things we need to think about in terms of uh, defending our faith and that's going to lead into Mormonism so I, we really expanded it and made it better it was just going to be about Mormonism before but now it's going to actually lay the foundations in apologetics and then move into Mormonism and that'll be up very very soon I think Marcus that will be up that we'll just we'll release those am I right we're going to release those kind of one at a time just start yeah. putting them yeah, up yeah we're just going
1: to put them up one at a time so this should be up Hopefully within a week or two.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. And we're also going to have all kinds of really great re- uh, resources for you guys. So, like, on the Apology Academy, and I'm so excited about this, we're going to have, like, um, you're going to have a class session, like, you know, taught by me or taught by John, and then we're going to have, like, uh, required reading. Like, you should get this book to understand more. And then we're going to have free resources, links on the page, so um, you're going to get sort of a full-orbed view of whatever we're looking in at. And so... First is apologetics and Mormonism. Next will be uh, Samson Clause and the doctrines of salvation. A hundred part series, right, John? I'm hoping so. 100 part. 100 hey, part you know what'd be cool too? I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to drag him and see if I can get him. If we can get Doctor White to talk about like textual criticism and like the canon of scripture or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Like a really cool would be cool in depth thing. I'm gonna see if I can get yeah. Be nice. Be, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him and see. See, it may or may not work, come to fruition. I've asked him about other stuff like very recently. Other things, and he agreed to it. Oh, uh, I'm other just things? saying. There's other things he's agreed to. Oh, okay. <laughs> is, that, is that part of the surprise? It, I'm just it, saying. It might be. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's talk about some stuff. Oh, can I bring this up real fast? Just we have so much I don't to do know what today. You're talking about. I, I just want to say, like, the other night, um, I didn't tell anybody that this actually happened along with the event that I posted on Facebook. Um, somebody, uh, the like second time that I know of in about two or three years, somebody's tried to get in my house at night or been in my backyard at oh, night. Okay. I live in a weird part of Phoenix where it's like you turn a corner and it's straight ghetto and another corner and it's like, oh, this is a nice place. So it's, it's just weird. Um, but anyway, at about two or three in the morning, I come to because my wife is saying, what is that? What is that? And I, I hear the dogs going absolutely nuts. And so I fly out of bed. My heart's pounding because I'm just trying to like, get to the gun. And I get to the gun and I, hold the, I go to, to walk out of the room and I'm half asleep and my wife yells at me. She yells, he's right there. He's right there. Now, what do you think that I'm thinking, holding a gun at two in the morning in the dark and my wife is yelling, he's right there. What, do you, what, do you, what would you think? Jesus. <laughs> what would you think if you have a gun in your hand and you hear your dog's going crazy, and you think someone's in your house, and then your wife says, he's right there! Angel Moroni. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not helping. <laughs> Let me tell you what I thought. I thought that there was a person in my house, my wife was pointing me to his direction. Uh-huh. So I'm now my heart is coming out of my chest going, I can't see anybody, and so I'm like, what? And she goes, stellar, he's right there! And, I'm, and she's talking about my seven-year-old happened oh. to... Bring his mattress into my floor, and he was laying in my floor, and she thought I was going to step on him. And so, anyway, mm. afterwards, I told her, "I said, babe, yeah, if it's ever two in the morning, the dogs are going crazy because someone's in the backyard. Don't ever say he's right there when yeah. I have a gun in my hand, because yeah, I'm, that could been bad. I'm looking for him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh, well, anyway, so my Doberman went out of the house, and my daughter Imogen told me that uh, that uh, she woke up because she heard a man yelling in the backyard when Coco went out there to stop, yelling at Coco to stop, stop, stop it, stop it, like to the dog. <laughs> so um, Coco chased whoever it was off. Coco came back in. I, I was searching the house by this point, and Coco comes in, looks at me, just sort of like wags her tail, and then ran back in the room and laid down with the bed. It's mm. like, good dog. Good dog. <laughs> That's mm. awesome. That's why Jesus gives us dogs for bad guys. That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. They're, they're, they are like 15-year-long alarm systems for your home.
1: Yeah. My aunt and uncle had a dog... And, uh, my cousin, he, the dog would always sleep in the room with the cu- with uh, her. And, uh, my uncle, if he didn't talk when he came in the door at night, the dog would start to growl. <laughs> so he had to say, he had to say, Was he, me, mar- was he married to this it's dog? <laughs> <me."> <laughs> the, the dog like was just very protective of, of his daughter. Hey-o.
2: So though speaking of, dogs. I don't think Marcus caught that joke. I did John not. got it. You got it. Yeah. I know it. I said, "Was the dog married to him?" Because the dog barked at him for not talking yeah. when he got home. That's a married <laughs> joke. Yeah, that's Rebecca's, yeah, Rebecca's not laughing. Yeah. It's not meant to be offensive. No, no. Okay, I, okay. I'm, so I'm speak, not offended.
0: Speaking of speaking of dogs, let's talk about the doctrines of grace. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, we are going to talk about the Doctor's Grace, but quickly, because we have so much to say about him, I do want to talk about some quick current event stuff that's so, so important. So, a Kentucky... What? We should do it after the break. Oh, because we have a break coming up. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. So, we're going to talk about the Kentucky clerk um, that is refusing to sign marriage certificates um, for gay couples, and as of right now, maybe during the show, we can get an update. We have an update. She, we have so. an update. We do have an update. Yeah, it just about what came happened. in. Oh, after the break. after the break. Breaking news. Yeah. Apology Radio right here. We're going to be right back, guys, more with Samson Claus on salvation, God's grace, his sovereignty, and goodness. It's, uh, what, theocentric versus anthropocentric. Ooh. Ah, God-centered versus... That's man, that's center. Queen's English. That's right. I'm just trying to look smart for John. It's working. <laughs> Good day. I'm Adam. And I'm Zeb. And we host the Reformed and Reloaded podcast. Each week, we bring scripture to bear on the news, issues, and politics of the firearm culture in the United States. We talk about manly things like Berettas, beards, and biblical theology. So join us as we shoot our way through the issues of the day. It's a real blast. See what I did there? Yeah, I saw it. That was pretty good. Come
1: on. So with Apologia All Access, you're going to get Apologia TV. That's a 30-minute TV show. Then you're going to get the behind-the-scenes of that TV show, what we call the Apologia After Show, where we just sit and chat with a guest without those pesky time restraints of network television. As an Apologia All Access member, you'll be the first to get exclusive videos sent right to your personal RSS feed. And, of course, we've begun working on Apologia Academy, where we're going to have people teach you stuff, Bible stuff, apologetic stuff. It's for your homeschool kids. All this and a whole lot more with Apologia All Access. Go get it, guys. Only at apologiaradio.com. I'm dying in your bed many
2: years from now. when you be willing to train? all of you from this day to that for one chance, just one shot
3: to come back here?
2: As usual, Luke Pearson, the bear, picks the perfect song. We apologize. John, if that's in any way a sore...
4: Actually, the English did take their freedom, so it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay, all right. I didn't know how you felt
2: about it, so I I apologize. Okay, (laughs) I just want to make sure. I'm very careful. Okay. I don't want to unnecessarily offend.
4: Who's ruling over Scotland now?
2: Yeah. Oh, I look at him. It came out, he was there. He goes, Who's got you now?
4: (laughs) Oh, right. Okay.
2: So, uh, Texas, uh, sorry, Texas, Kentucky clerk Kim davis uh continued to defy the supreme court on tuesday by refusing to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples she claims she's acting under god's authority now you want you to hear this this is uh actual footage and here is the video of her inside the clerk's office in kentucky um some uh gay uh, a gay couple came in to get a marriage uh certificate uh with the media convenient they came in with the media of course um Huh. Which actually is good. Uh, good way to do it. If you think about it, it's, it's smart. Um, and they came over of the media and they confront her in the office. And I thought she was extremely gracious. But uh, here is the conversation. I just want you all to know that we are not issuing marriage licenses. Why? Pending. Um, what appeal is left? Pending the appeal in the Sixth Circuit. What's the appeal, appeal in the Sixth Circuit? Has been denied because I'm not under his authority. His Unite. authority. Mm-hmm. Under God's authority. Amen. Yes. Amen. Did God Amen. tell you to do this? Did God tell you to treat it. us I don't like this? God. I asked you all to leave. You are interrupting me. You can call the police if you want us to leave.
1: You can call the police. I pay your salary. I pay your salary. I pay you to discriminate against me right now. That's what I'm paying for. That's nah, what I'm paying for.
2: This memory with my partner that I love that I've been with for 17 years. Uh, paying, uh, being discriminated against, um, I'm pretty sure you're still allowed to marry whoever you want. Um, <laughs> uh, any man can marry any woman. You're allowed. No one's being discriminated. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just not marriage. That's, that's, that's about all. All right, so here is this Kentucky clerk who is um, standing on biblical principles about what marriage actually is, and she doesn't want to violate her conscience. And, by the way, she's actually following the law. not sure if anybody knows that. Wanna know that? Yeah, it's true. It's actually the law uh, in Kentucky. You know what uh, Kentucky um, has as part of their constitution? In 2004, the Commonwealth of Kentucky voted overwhelmingly to include a marriage amendment to its constitution. It now reads in Section 233A. This is by McDermott's article, our friend Joel McDermott's article on AmericanVision.org. Um, this is what Kentucky's... Um, Uh, Marriage Amendment to its Constitution says from 2004 Only a marriage between one man and one woman shall be valid or recognized as a marriage in Kentucky Let me read that again Only a marriage between one man and one woman shall be valid or recognized as a marriage in Kentucky I'm going to read it again Only a marriage between one man and one woman shall be valid or recognized as a marriage in Kentucky. A legal status identical or substantially similar to that of marriage for unmarried individuals shall not be valid or recognized. And so... So she's actually following Romans 13. She is obeying the law. (laughs) The law that is consistent with scripture. Yes. And she's obeying the law and it just needs to be stated it's very very important to see that this woman is acting in um, uh, in a very consistent way with I think her duties um, as someone that works for the magistrates. No, but, but, but she's not doing her job um, she's not uh, doing her job who is that who is- I don't, I don't. have a name yet. <laughs> Is that not a puppet?
1: She's not, she's not doing her job. She needs to just do her job. She's not going to do her job. She needs to quit her job. No uh,
2: We're going to call you. Uh, we're going to call you, Bill. <laughs> Bill. Bill. Bill the, the 21st century American evangelical. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here we go. Ready? Uh, the Constitution, uh, brothers and sisters. The Constitution. Um, in the very first words in the after the preamble. Uh, here are the very first words. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress. And who? And who? Who? Congress of the United hmm. States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. So, question. And here's a little bit of, I guess this was sort of like a trivia thing. Ready? Ready? Are you ready? Um, when do we win? The legislative powers um, are granted to who? Congress, Congress, okay, and who are legislative powers not given to, ready? Supreme Court mm. justices, are you ready? So the Constitution says that those legislative powers are given to a Congress and not to judges. Unelected, unelected judges right. with black robes that are um, just... Um, they're unjust, Legislating actually. from the bench, and they're unjust judges, and they're just, you know, activists. <laughs> That's all they are, is activists. And so, anyway, so if you think about it, um, God's word defines for us what marriage actually is. That's the standard. This woman is trying to stand Romans th- on... Romans
1: 13, Jeff. Yes. Romans 13. Yeah, Romans
2: 13 specifically gives... And By the way, you have to read Romans 12 before you get to Romans <laughs> 13. Romans 12 tells Christians, do not take vengeance leave it up to God, right? Right? And well, then in yeah. Romans 13, it tells Christians whom God has given the role to actually bear the sword and deal out the vengeance of God. And it's a specific power and a specific office, and that power and office is the magistrate, Romans 13. And it specifically says in Romans 13 that the magistrate, uh, the state, the, that role is to bear the sword against evildoers and it said that it says that Paul says that that office is specifically called the deacon the servant of God so that office according to God that's Paul being obviously prescriptive because he's certainly not descriptive of Rome in his day I I seem to remember Rome cutting his head off Um, and so just doing her job just doing her job (laughs) So the Apostle Paul says that the civil magistrate's role is to bear the sword, uh, they don't bear it in vain, and it's to deliver, uh, deliver justice... And they are God's servants. And it's Christians, not our role to actually be a part of the vengeance. It's the specific role of the state. And if you think about it, when that God-ordained role actually has laws consistent with Scripture, like Kentucky does, um, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And this woman actually says, my role in government under God and consistent with government is to uphold the law. He just needs to preach the gospel. Yeah. Well, Just I think, and, the gospel, and by the way she's not reaching
1: people for Jesus. You
2: know what's amazing is that clerk. is that she did um I think I don't know a lot about this woman. I don't know exactly what's going on and there are all kinds of questions I would have about her position and of course I know that would be a discussion to have. But there is something I read from her when she was talking about what happened, she basically uh, started talking about Christ. Uh, so I don't know a lot about her. I don't know where she's at theologically. Okay, wrong job. That's wrong a job. side the issue. Job. But uh, because the, the main thing here is first principles. What she's standing on is a biblical view of marriage between men and women. And she's actually standing on her role as a, as a magistrate um, to uphold the law in her county. And the law in her county is man, woman. That's the only recognized marriage. So she cannot violate God's law, and she cannot violate the law of the state that she's in, what people are asking her to do is disobey the law of God and the law in Kentucky. And so what what I think is an important thing for us to start like really working through as Christians, because this was part of our conversation as Christians in history, is what's the role of the civil magistrate? Uh, what are the duties of a Christian in that role? And um, I think a more
1: specific question, though, is what is the role of a citizen in the United States, and what is his role according to the government? Because the founders knew that, and they knew about Romans 13 when they wrote the Constitution. Yeah, they talked about it a lot. And they made the people the government. That's right. So, so so, it's different. Like we're, we're so used to saying, well, Congress are the ruling authorities. Uh, the president is the ruling authority. But but according to our government, the people are the ruling authorities and the governments are representatives. Yeah. The government officials are representatives of the people who the clerk, by the way, was elected by the people. Yeah. Mm. So, so she is speaking on behalf of her government, the people. Yeah. Mm. So it's 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 not as easy of a conversation as let's say a king who tells you, do this, our or a queen, maybe. or or, or queen,
2: <laughs> yeah, Samson, uh, gotta make sure he feels comfortable at home. It's just
1: it's just like our 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 entire view of our government is completely opposite
2: of what and it we was. We even have this discussion of presupposition. Uh, exactly, exactly. And believe me, in 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 the, the time of the formation of our government at that, at that particular point, we had already had a functioning government with the colonies before we had the Constitution, obviously the declaration of independence. We were working pretty well. It was going it was going pretty alright. Right. And they had these discussions about Romans thirteen. That was actually a big part of their context. They understood that there's a realm of Romans thirteen where you have to have this civil magistrate duty to actually enforce contracts to deliver justice and that was the role there and they knew that they had to form that so when they the Christians came over. By the way, they were Calvinist. Okay. Where, where did they come from? <laughs> when they came from England, they were awesome. What's up, England? Yeah. Okay, when the Puritans came over, the Pilgrims came <laughs> over, um, what was one of the first things they did? They, they started working towards building a society. A yeah, they built a pub. Yeah. They, they started working towards building a society where they knew they had to have this role of civil magistrate. And they had the conversation of Romans 13, for goodness sake. They, they, they knew what Romans 13 says, and that's why they actually established that power. But then as you work through, and the colonies are actually forming government and everything else, they recognize that Jesus was the ultimate authority. So you can very, very easily, and I think correctly say, rightly say, that early America was a Christian republic. Um, a lot fell off. And we can have a whole show about what happened, and we talk about... You should,
1: com- you should should People should read the sermons... From yes, the Black Robe Regiment. Yes, the Presbyterians. The
2: Presbyterians, and the Brit- they were the Brit- Baptists too.
1: Yeah, the British called it they the weren't Pres- perfect. Yeah, but the British called it the Presbyterian, Presbyterian Revolt. Right, John? That's right. We'll that. yeah. Yeah, so it was called Everybody's the Presbyterian Revolt. That's right. British give that. Yeah, it was called the Presbyterian Revolt. Black Robe Regiment. <laughs> and they were they were very, like, all this stuff was thought through before we uh, rebelled against against Britain. Yes. So it was all well thought out, biblically. They had biblical justification. They preached about it. They preached about it. And From they, God's word. Yeah. And a lot of it was, hey, we better make sure that our nation is repentant before we go to war with Britain. Yes. Because if we're not, Britain is going to be a judgment on our nation and not a blessing. Yeah. And so it's it was a very biblically well thought out revolt. And so when you think about it, and that was, like I said, like that was just over like taxation without representation. Yeah. Like, this isn't even about moral issues. Yeah. And they were willing to go to war and separate over it. Yeah, yeah. And And we're like, well, that's not a a hill to die on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's other hills, but that's not the hill. It is a moral issue. Yeah. This This is what is important. Jesus, we say, has all authority in heaven and on earth. That means that Christians have a responsibility with Jesus having all authority in heaven and on earth to make sure we faithfully execute our duties as Christians in whatever realm we're in. And thank God, thank God. Really That Kentucky actually Had a part of their Constitution there men, they, Where they said It's between one man And one woman They will not recognize Anything else mm. And she's saying I can't Before God And my own State's law And then We just discovered News just broke What happened guys? They sent her to jail She's in jail right now Yep So Kim Davis Now Took a stand And she is I guess Officially in jail or are they sending her to jail? Is she going to show up to jail or whatever? Anyway, she, they made an example out of her. And I knew it was coming, too. I knew that they would make an example out of her because they are activists. These judge, oftentimes these unjust judges that occupy these spaces are just simply activists. They're activists, and you just you anticipate, I think, and, and this is what we have to face as Christians. And so what's the answer? Is it running? Is it fleeing? No, I think she was right. Uh, Wilson wrote a good article about it. He said, look, what she's doing is not sinning, trying not to sin herself, and trying to stop her county from sinning. Isn't that a Christian duty? Mm. I think it is. Wow. Yeah. He said, she's trying not to sin, and she's trying to help her county not sin. And now she is being penalized for it, but... I think we all need to go back to Acts. And what do the apostles say when they're given a direct order from the government officials of the day? They say, we must obey God rather than men. There are times where you have to actually do that in the real world. (laughs) It's just the craziest thing. Because if you look at the last 400 years of history, you even look at the conflicts that happened between the Scottish and the English, like there were Christians on both sides. Like good Christians, solid Christians on both sides. And when they would argue, they would have these debates and they'd go go to the scripture and they'd say, ah, you're not being consistent with scripture. That's not from God. That's tyrannical. You're violating God and you're violating us. Like that's how the conversation went. And we are so ruled by Demas today, the current god of our nation the people that we can't even have this conversation I, I i think i fear for the christian church in the west today because we have such a strange view of christ's authority and his word and law and, and and by the way let's kick the kick the discussion of ultimate like theonomy out of this but i was just talking in terms of just basic christian commitments commitments here like marriage can we have marriage we have marriage in our culture can we have that as something christians actually stand on and say no no god's defined this these areas are sin and we shouldn't expect this woman kim davis to violate her conscience and we posted on apologia radio i was in awe we posted on apologia radio something about yeah. kim davis and to see people who love jesus that were saying mm-hmm. that's not a hell to die on and she's doing this wrong she works for the government she needs to quit my answer is no on purely biblical grounds she can't if she wants to be faithful to God and answer to God as a faithful person, she has to say, I stood on your word and what you said here, and I was trying to faithfully execute my role as a magistrate by obeying the law.
1: I don't I don't understand. We, we're constantly praying and asking God for, you know, we need Christian leaders, we need Christian politicians, we need Christian presidents, and we get one who does exactly what we would expect a Christian leader to do, and our response is... Oh well, well you're the, you're just causing trouble and yeah. stirring up controversy for for the sake of controversy, and you should just do your job and submit to Romans thirteen. It's like, well, like so, even if we had a Christian president. The Christians would turn on him as soon as he started doing something right. We, we need a major
2: reformation in our hearts today, a major reformation. Uh, just, I, mean, I see John, it looks like you're winding up to say something. I think he's mad that we were just talking about the British revival. <laughs> no, I, I have very, actually, highly great things to say about the British, even during the time of the conflict with certain British people and what they were saying. Um, but you know what's, <laughs> um, what's interesting is that what, what I think would be wrong is people are suggesting she should just quit. Mm-hmm. No, I say, no, let you either send me to jail or fire
4: me. Like, remove me,
2: but I'm not quitting. This is my duty before
4: God. That's, I, I, that's the point I was going to make. Yeah. Let the Christian be the Christian. Yes. She's being a Christian, and according to her convictions, she's operating. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens as a result of her being a Christian is in the hands of God, but it's also a judgment on those who perpetrate evil or unjust, mm-hmm. unjustness yes. or unjust mm-hmm. actions against her. It's as if we're back in Acts 4 where... Uh, the apostles are told not to preach or teach any anymore in the name of Jesus. Yes, and uh, they were just true to their convictions. As Christians, we must speak that which we've heard and seen. We must, we must, we must. And she's being a Christian. That's all she's doing. Let the state uh, suffer judgment by treating her unjustly, but her hands are now clean. Yes, I saw somebody said, "Well, if
0: she's gonna, if she's gonna not hand out." Mary, uh, licenses for gay marriage, then she shouldn't be handing out licenses for people that are divorced and are getting remarried.
1: No, I, well, the government I, shouldn't I, hand out licenses. That was but
2: right. somebody's argument so against that what gets she's us doing. doing. To the other thing of whether or not the government you know, is remarrying marriage against fertilization. But um, yeah, that's somebody a, did say that. And but again, I was like, come on. And again, on, here's man. my point. I said there are other issues to talk about surrounding this. I'm not ignoring those. Like, what's the proper role of government? Do they actually declare marriage? Or would they be really responsible for the breaking of the contract in, in enforcing justice there? Right. That would be the biblically defined role in the context of marriage, is that the government does have a role if the contract is broken and making sure justice is done. Um, but the question of whether the government should be involved in the actual declaration of marriage before God, that's what gets us into this really tough spot right now. Right. So again, I, listen to what I'm saying. I know there's other issues okay but in terms of where she's actually at we know where we want to be mm-hmm. but where she's actually mm-hmm. at she's trying to faithfully execute her office under under god and according to his word so that's that's where we're at so pray She's trying to do her job she's trying to do her job <laughs> and uh yeah so we're gonna come right back guys talk about doctrines of salvation but john samson be right back <laughs>
1: But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles. Not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukon'sbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face.
2: ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. Hey, you guys can uh, do something to partner with us. You can grab one of our past episodes at ApologiaRadio.com. You can share it on your social media. Um, Don't forget, uh, there's all kinds of really, really great content up right now. Uh, TV shows, after shows, and other things that are up at ApologiaRadio.com for the all access. We even did a really great show with John Sampson. Yeah, we did. It was really good. the word of faith kind of movement Episode number two. Episode number two. John it was awesome. Thank you. People great were about really it. By it. Yeah. And he had a beard, and he had a beard temporarily. Yeah, he didn't. Yes. So, uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, guys, uh, I put up something on my page uh, last week, some stuff about reform theology, about the condition of man and the will of man, and uh, got a lot of responses and. Got a response from a fellow named uh, Samuel, and uh, we're going to call him Sam for the show today, and uh, offered uh, Sam an opportunity to call in and uh, have a little conversation with us, even just for a few minutes, um, about the will of man and Reformed theology. Uh, so Sam, welcome to Apologia Radio, man.
3: Uh, hi guys, thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. Hey Sam, where are you from? Um, I'm here
3: from Houston, Texas.
2: Houston, Texas. What's up? Right on. I love Houston. I was there once, for real briefly. For for a briefly. For a briefly. For a briefly. <laughs> what when you when, well, you, when come back from Pensacola? To oh, that's there. right, that's right, that's right. So so, how's the weather right now in Houston, Sam? Uh, humid,
3: partly partly rainy, partly sunny.
2: All right. Well, Sam, let's uh, try to focus in the conversation here. Um, I was making uh, some claims on my social media in the last week uh, about Reform Theology and about the will of man. And let's just get a good starting point here just to sort of define where we're coming from. Maybe you can can respond to that and tell us, you know, what you're thinking. In John chapter 6, Jesus says in verse 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, Sam, our basic commitments as reform. Folks, as Calvinists, is that Jesus has a people given to Him by the Father, and that it is the giving of the people to the Father that precedes their coming and believing, and um, that's what Jesus says in terms of the order there. And it says He says their ability is none can come unless the Father draws and He raises up the one the Father draws. So uh, you disagree with those commitments?
3: Oh uh, well. Uh, I would see it as I want to see what you think of this. Uh, Verse 39, he says, This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. Uh So it raised it up on the last day. So it's the Father's will for the Son not to lose anything, right?
2: That's right. So verse
3: 40, he says, Who are the ones that are being drawn? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I myself will raise them up on the last day. Mm-hmm. So my understanding there is that the father, the father will draw all those who believe. So okay. my understanding is that from verse forty, the will of the father is to draw those who believe on the son, and those who believe on the son will be raised up on the last day. So yeah. first is belief, then is drawing.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can, I can, I definitely, and I used to, I used to believe that same way too. I wasn't always reformed, but Sam, can you take a look at the text um, just to see sort of the order here? I think that one of the things I'd try to encourage you to see is is that your order there of how this takes place is actually the opposite of what the text says. The text actually says in verse thirty-seven, all that the Father gives me will come to me. So it is the giving of the father these people to Jesus that actually precedes their coming. So their coming is obviously believing, it's obviously beholding the son and coming to him for life, but it is actually the father's giving of a people to Jesus that precedes their coming. And when it comes to their abilities, what are they able to do? Are they able to believe? Jesus says in John 6:44, no man can no man literally is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I think what's, what's important for us to say, needs to keep the text together, is that he says that he raises up the one the Father draws. So everybody, according to Jesus, who is drawn by the Father for salvation, he raises up. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that?
3: Well, I gotta say it's true.
2: Well, do you, do you see how how that actually come, comes against your statements, though, in terms of it's the believing uh, of the people that precedes um, precedes the Father giving? Do you see how the sort of it's it's backwards? It's it's actually different than than you believe.
3: Uh yeah, I, I can see I can see how
2: you how you can come to that. Yeah, and so for us, Samuel, that's I just want verse
3: forty five that says. Uh, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me.
2: Yes, and yeah, and that's that's important because if you see this, um, and if you would, Sam, just work in the text with me for a second here. Um, if you if you look, what he says at the beginning of this discourse in verse thirty-five, he says, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst." So there's that promise, right? But he wants what he says. He says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. So he tells them, you've seen me, but you don't believe. And then he says, all that the father has given to me will come. So he, t- he defines the, their unbelief and he says, actually, you've seen me, but you don't believe. And then he says, all that the father gives to me will so he makes a distinction between two people, two groups of people, the ones who have seen him and still don't believe, and the ones that actually cannot fail to come because the Father has given them to Jesus. And so when, when Jesus continues the discourse and he's talking about those who have learned from the Father and come to the Father, we know who those are. The ones that learn from the Father and come to the Father are those that have been given to Jesus by the Father. And, and, if, and if you just would do this, Sam, if you just take a look at the discourse in, in John chapter 6, and you also look at the discourse in John chapter 10, where the Jews then say to Jesus, they say, tell us if you're the Messiah, and he says, I told you. And he says, the reason you can't hear me is because you are not of my sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they come. So again, there's those two groups of people that Jesus actually gives us there. There's the ones that have not been given to Jesus by the Father who don't come, they don't believe. And there's the ones that have been given to Jesus by the Father the ones the father draws that he never fails to raise up. So I, so so from our perspective, Samuel, and you seem like a really sharp guy. um, And uh, you know, I, 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 it was good to get to know you through these interactions on, on Facebook. I think what's important for me, at least to communicate to you with, with brotherly affection is that what we see as reformed Christians is that it's the text scripture that has to drive our theology and our philosophy and so our view of the will of man can't come from a preconceived philosophy or tradition in terms of free will and things like that but it has to come from the text of god's word and what we're saying sam with gentleness and respect and love towards you is that if you read john 6 and you read jesus statements there there is no other exegetical conclusion that's consistent other than there are people that are given to Jesus by the Father, and that it is that giving that precedes their coming, and the reason they come is because the Father draws them, because they are not able, they are not able in themselves to come unless they're drawn, and Jesus says the one the Father draws is the one he raises up. It's, it's a perfect uni, unity there, and that's, by the way, we would say the doctrines of grace are represented there in, in John chapter 6. Yeah,
3: classic go-to passage for a uh... Calvinist. Yeah. Well, I, have a, I have some buddies that are
2: Calvinists too. we we'll talk to them a lot. Yeah. Well, Sam, it's a, it's a shorter show today, at least a segment here today. Uh, let's continue the conversation. Let's have you on again maybe next week. Let's, let's expand it a bit more and let's talk some more. And let's, I think, do this conversation like brothers should do with love and grace and affection and digging into the text together. We have a little bit more to do here today with John Sampson to unpack these. But how about this? Next week, you come back on. Let's talk some more. And let's engage this issue with one another, and let's go to the text together. How's that sound?
3: Uh, if I have time, sure. Because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking for a job. So.
2: Okay, well, we'll be praying for you and your job. But if, if we get a chance, let's have you on again, and let's continue this conversation. Let's go to the text of God's word together, and uh, and let's do it with humility and love and respect for one another. How about that? Sounds good. Okay, thanks, man. Thanks for taking the time to call in today. It was a blessing talking to you. All right, thanks. All right, Sam. Thanks so much, man. Bye. All right, bye. All right. So that is a perfect, I think, segue
4: into the discussion, John. It very much is. I'm listening with a lot of uh, attention, and I appreciate the, the manner and the nature of the, the phone call you've just had. And I think what uh, really struck me as someone who didn't always embrace Reformed theology is the text of Scripture. When I wrote that little book of mine, 12 Whatabouts, I purposely did not mention the name of John Calvin, right. the name of Calvinism, because you don't actually need Mr. Calvin for Reformed theology. It's It's Jesus where you get this. It's Paul, it's Peter, it's James, it's all of these things. And if we take what God's Word says seriously about the nature of man, and I'm just looking at verse 44, which is again... A, a go-to text but it's jesus who's speaking with authority looking at a crowd in the face and explaining their unbelief yeah. and he says no one can as you've already said come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i'll raise him up on the last day oftentimes when that verse is quoted the final phrase is is omitted they don't or, or always people don't always quote mm. that last part but the drawing here is so powerful that everyone who's drawn is raised up on the last day. That's exactly right. And so you have in this text, if you just focus on that one statement of Jesus in verse 44, you've either got universalism or you've got reformed theology. But what is omitted and forever banished is Arminianism. Yeah. Uh, Universalism is dealt with elsewhere, but in this particular text, Arminianism has to fall because it speaks of a drawing that is so effectual that everyone who's drawn is raised up in the last day. That's right. That's right. That's important, right? I mean, because
2: mm-hmm. when we think about, he said that's a classic go-to passage for right. ca- Calvinists. Well, but that's yeah. not an argument. No, yeah, no. it's not an argument. And and and, and here's in what's important is is it's a classic go-to passage
4: because it's an entire discourse mm-hmm. by Jesus that talks about salvation. And there's no doubt that the people he was talking to got it because he kept emphasizing it, and he said it again in verse 65. And yeah. what happened? They left. They left, and he didn't run after them and say, "Hey, there'll be a new pony show next week. Come! Yeah. I, I'm really sorry. I'm I'm going to go through a a church growth conference this week, and I should be better at this." Yeah. Uh, he let him go, and he yeah. and he was explaining their unbelief, and they didn't like it, and it's oftentimes often the case today that people do not like this Jesus yeah. mm. of John 6.
2: Mm. Yeah, and okay, let's think about, let's be fair though because what I think it has to be in context... Right? Verse by verse, mm-hmm. word by word, what's the immediate context, who's the audience, we need to always make sure we're paying attention to that. And I think John 6 is c- as clear as a bell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say, like, what's Calvinism? John 6. Mm-hmm. That's, give us that. That's, that's all we want, John 6. Just work through the text, step by step. Arminianism is not possible to fit consistently mm-hmm. or coherently with John 6. It just does not work. John said it. The one who is, who is raised up is the one that the Father draws, the one that could not come. Yes. And so that means everyone the Father draws is raised up. So again, John's right. Either a universalism or reformed theology. But again, Mm. John 6 moves into John 8. And in John 8, he's talking to Jews, and he says to them, he says, you're a slave. And they say, we've never been enslaved to anybody, which is insane. (laughs) Um, Yes, you have. And he says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Right. Mm. So, so, our nature, according to Jesus, is John 6, not able to come, and also a slave. So, where do we ever get the idea that our will is free? Right. Jesus says it's enslaved, it's not able to come to God. But then again, John 8 moves into John 10. And in John 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And what does he do? He says very, very clearly, watch this. This is very, very powerful. John 10, 14, guys, if you just go to that text and just stay there, guys, you'll see everything. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Now pause there for a moment. Take that in. He's the good shepherd. He knows who are his and what? They know Mm -hmm. him. Now watch what he says. He says, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what does it say? This is an amazing thing. It just doesn't, I mean, there's an incomprehensibility aspect here. I got to say this. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I know them. And I lay my life down for whom? Who does he lay his life down for? The sheep. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, the ones that he knows, the ones that know him. Now, follow that. Watch. And he says, right here, as he says, he lays his life down for the sheep. He says... Uh, Verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And now watch this. As you get into the next part here, they say in verse 20, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I love this. Jesus answered them, I told you. It's not that he didn't say it. He said, I told you. Yeah. He says, And you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Mm -hmm. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Brothers and sisters, how could you get more clear than that? He's a shepherd, lays his life down for the sheep and he says to them, You are not my sheep. That's why you don't hear my voice. Now, if he lays his life down for the sheep, the ones he knows, the ones that know him, and he says to others, you're not my sheep, that's why you don't hear my voice, but my sheep hear my voice, where do we ever get the idea that Jesus is unable to save one in particular that he wants? He knows them. And if you want to think of what's a limited atonement, that... That's limited atonement, definite redemption. Mm -hmm. A shepherd who lays his life down for a particular people, and he doesn't fail to draw them. And notice that he actually says to them that the reason you can't hear me is because you're not mine. Mm
4: -hmm. Jeff, that statement there of, of Jesus, verse 26, I realized when I was reading that one time, that's not how I would have answered it. If someone asked me, why do people not believe, I'd have said because of a lack of will or they're refusing to be spiritually sensitive or humble themselves it would be something other than jesus words yeah. but as christians we, we must submit to jesus and his reasoning speaking to people again looking them in the eye the reason you don't believe is how would i answer that question i'd have I'd list five things jesus says the reason is you're not part of my flock that's right mm-hmm. that's the reason yeah you're not believing you mentioned John 8, verse 47 of John 8 says the exact same thing. Whoever is of God hear the, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Oh, It's the same exact concept. Yeah. And these are screaming to those who have ears to hear. Yeah. Jesus says, this is the reason people don't believe. They're not of God. They're not part of my flock. Yeah. What is it about that do you not understand? Yes, that's right.
2: Power. It is powerful. And it I looks like, chomping the bit here. I, I want to say that the issue for us, can I, can I say this like just straightforward? We believe that Arminianism leads to a corruption in theology. Mm-hmm. Theology matters. Dr. White always says that. I believe that with all my heart theology matters and, and it's the presuppositions of Arminianism that lead to a lot of corruption in other areas like open theism that's a, that's a major issue with Arminian presuppositions leads into open theism naturally it works itself in, out in that direction it has also led Arminian presuppositions have led to universalism now by the way this is not boogeyman I'm not giving the boogeyman I'm giving the facts mm. when you say that Jesus atoned for the sins of every single person who ever lived in full guess what the smart person Right? He's got a sharp mind, goes, well, then that means that they're all saved. And they start opening up universalist congregations because they take it to its logical conclusion, right? And if it's the will of man that is supreme in the discussion of God's sovereignty, well, it leads itself naturally into areas like open theism.
4: If we look at the word propitiation and understand that it's the removing of wrath by means of a sacrifice, and if Jesus propitiated the sins of everybody who's ever lived, why are people in hell? Right. Yeah. Why would there be a hell? Yeah. Right. Taken to its logical conclusion. That's right. And so it's, so our concern is is that arminianism
2: is is a is a man-made tradition that is not derived from the text of God's Word, and all forms of Arminianism, whether you want to call it partial Calvinism, partial Calminian, whatever you want to say, is inconsistent with the Word of God and leads to dramatic and destructive consequences for the gospel. It leads to a warping and destroying of what God's grace really is in Scripture. And I believe with all my heart that Arminian presuppositions destroy missions they destroy missions because if God does everything he can to save people if Jesus died for the sins of every single person who's ever lived in full and if the Holy Spirit of God can try to redeem people and bring them to life and fail because he is thwarted by the will of man then you have no hope in evangelism no hope in prayer to God to open the eyes of the blind because God's done everything he can it's not up to him he'd say I'm trying I'm doing my best what do you want of me yeah I've done my best it's not up to me anymore it's up to them so why pray for the lost that's a question that must be asked to the Arminian. If you truly believe that God can be thwarted by the will of man in any way, if you believe contrary to John 6, then the question is why evangelize? People say to the Calvinists all the time, right? Why are you evangelizing when God is predeterminate? Because God's predeterminate. Yeah. That's why. Because he's powerful, he's mighty, that's why. And why- he's promised that there will be sheep who hear his voice. That's right. So we have the absolute hope that repent and believe sometimes people turn to god because god in his grace and power brings them to life repent and believe and they remain hardened in their sin and god justly condemns them and that gospel conversation is a witness against them that they hate god so much that even when people come with his love and his mercy being heralded they still despise god Mm. all right luke's got something to say from pink and uh we're gonna go into our break i'll just yeah
0: i'll just bring this out with this quote um A.W. Pink in The Sovereignty of God says Perverters of this truth invariably <laughs> seek to find some cause outside God's own will which moves him to bestow salvation on sinners something or other is attributed to the creature which entitles him to receive mercy at the hands of the creator
2: Wow, well I'm glad Sam called um, he was posted a lot on my page, let me say that much and so I said it'd be good not to do this in a Facebook chat, let's do it uh, via phone call, and let's do it on the air and let me say this. I know we got a break and Marcus is chomping a bit, but let me just go ahead and say this. I got a lot of respect for Sam. I do. Yeah, he didn't was, have yeah. an answer, and that's okay. I'm not going to beat him up over it because it's not about winning an argument. It's about mm-hmm. brothers coming before God in his word to say, what does God say? I respect Sam. I honor Sam. But I had people come on my page, let me tell you, who were saying the nastiest, vilest things about me simply because I was saying God is sovereign mm-hmm. over salvation and I said to them, come on the show. And I had people make make audacious claims about me. <laughs> and I said, come on the show and defend those claims. And they said, oh, I don't have any, I'm afraid to do public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I say that is? Coward. Well, they public yeah, speak on I Facebook say. is fine. Yeah. In their pajamas. This is, is public. This is over 60,000 downloads plus a month are coming through an apology or radio. If you want to have a conversation, let's do it publicly. That's called trollism. Yeah. Keyboard warriors, come on, y'all! Don't be a keyboard warrior. Let's talk. Let's reason together, says the Lord. Well, let's all reason together. All right, guys, be right back. Apologyradio.com. Oh yeah. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered, to, I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at Whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend Dr. Kenneth Talbot and start your classes today. ApologyRadio.com.
4: Here's a quote from him. Whoever ascribes salvation in the least to the will of man knows nothing of grace and has not learnt Jesus Christ aright. That was his assessment. You and I might disagree with him. I happen to agree with him. But that was his assessment. I agree. If we ascribe salvation in the least part to the will of man, we know nothing of grace. And at the time of the Protestant Reformation, the big issue, if we could talk about it, was not the uh, Mariolatry and uh, some of the issues with Mary and all of that. It was the big issue was grace. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The necessity. You've said it. I've said it often. The necessity versus the sufficiency of grace. What do you mean by that, John? If you have oxygen in a room, there's a potential for fire. Because to have fire, you must have oxygen. The reason we're not being burnt up is because although oxygen is a necessary condition for fire, it's not a sufficient Mm. uh, component for fire. Uh, Otherwise, wherever you find oxygen, there would be Mm. fire. And so we're living in a realm where I believe we've got oxygen here. We're breathing in and out, but we're not being inflamed and burnt alive because thankfully, oxygen is not a sufficient cause for fire. When we talk about the difference between necessity and sufficiency, every man-made religion will speak of the necessity of grace. Some Mm -hmm. go way overboard into what we call Pelagianism, which doesn't speak of the need for grace whatsoever, which has always been a heresy is condemned by all uh, factions of the the true church. Mm -hmm. But in the realm of true Christianity and Orthodox Christianity, Rome, at the time of the Reformation, would speak of the necessity of grace. The Protestant reformers, to a man, every one of them spoke of not merely the necessity, but the sufficiency of grace, the sufficiency of Hmm. the Word. Yes, you need the Word, the Word of God, Rome would say, but you also need the Pope and the declarations of infallibility that usher from the throne of the Pope. You have the necessity versus the sufficiency of the Word, the necessity Versus the sufficiency of faith. Yes, you need faith, but you need something else. You need works, you need merit, Rome would say. No, faith alone saves. We're justified by grace alone, through faith alone. Every man-made religion can speak of grace, the Bible, uh, faith, and of Christ. But the Reformers said, no, it's not merely the necessity of these things, but the sufficiency of, th- of these things. That's why the final solar of those five solas was Soli Deo Gloria all the glory for salvation goes to God alone and it's in those two big theological words that if we once grasp we can have a conversation the difference is between synergism which is a cooperation the word S Y N not S I N means <laughs> together with it's a cooperation it's God and me working something out getting something done if i've if i do a job by myself it's a monogistic work if i have someone help me it's synergistic we're working together Rome was on the side of synergism. The reformers, all of them, were on the side of monergism, which is one power. The word mono rather than stereo, which means more than one. Mono means one. Mm. One power working. And the reformers were all believers in monergism. God and God alone achieve salvation. Man believes because God first works in his soul, taking out the heart of stone, putting in a heart of flesh, and by nature, people with hearts of stone do not choose to have that operation. That's right. Uh, they're hearts of stone. There's no life there. There's no. Uh, there's no life in the heart of stone. And that's exactly what Scripture says. So, reform reform theology starts with a big view of God as God reveals Himself, but also it takes seriously the nature of man. That man is spiritually dead, not merely sick. He's dead. He's not mm-hmm. on the deathbed about to breathe his last and you come in with a pill you know the gospel (laughs) Uh, and and you put in his mouth but he has to swallow no he's he's at the morgue he's on the gurney he's he's about to be buried because he's dead and god the holy spirit breathes life into that dead corpse and that's the picture of scripture places like ephesians 2 1 you writing to the christians not everybody at ephesus You, he made alive who were dead, necros, dead like a stinking corpse in trespasses and sins. And if you read through uh, passages like John 6, as we've mentioned, but Ephesians 2, again, Paul says the exact same thing. We were dead, and when we were dead, he made us alive. Not when we were dead, you chose, which allowed God to do something. It's all the action of God. And if you walk through those passages and... You've mentioned John 6. Romans 8 is another. Romans 8, 7 and 8, which describes man's inability to, uh, to do the, the law of God, will not in, indeed even for any moment submit themselves to that law. Ephesians 2 tells us we were absolutely dead like corpses before God till God did something. Mm-hmm. By a miraculous intervention, changing our disposition so that we want something we didn't want before. And yeah. that's what uh, reform Theology affirms. We always do what we want. Mm-hmm. At the moment of our choices, we do it because we want to do it. Even when we think I'm, I'm eating this spinach and I don't want to, but we've actually made the choice. It's good for me. I'm making the choice to do this, even though my taste buds won't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things I would uh, otherwise not do we uh, to do something that you don't want to do is a definition of insanity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we make choices based on what we want to do so calvinists reformed people are not saying man has no will we're saying that the will is in slavery right. to the nature of that person which scripture says is hostile towards god that's right not merely neutral that's right That's right. Hostile
2: enemies of God, haters of God, helpless sinners, ungodly, wicked. These are terms that describe the fallen uh, man and woman. Um, And we think about you're either in one of two representatives, according to Paul in Romans 5. You're either in Adam, Mm -hmm. where there is death and condemnation, or you're in Jesus, where there's a gift of eternal life. There's justification and resurrection to life. And you're right. I mean, you bring up the text in Romans 8. That's a vitally important one because it comes in Paul's discussion where he says there's Adam or Jesus. And then he goes, "Is either flesh or spirit. Same conversation. And you're either dead or alive. And so he says, those who are in the flesh cannot submit to the law of God. Mm -hmm. They're not even able to do so. They're incapable. And it says, uh, you cannot please God in a fallen state. And Dr. White says it often. He says, is believing in Christ something that's pleasing to God? Yeah. Is repenting pleasing to God? Yeah. You can't do that in a fallen state. You can't. But God through the power of regeneration and the new birth, can raise dead people to spiritual people and grant to them the ability to repent and to believe. And see that's the important thing here is it's 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 repenting and believing are gifts of God. Um, being raised up is a gift of God's drawing. And we look at 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, God wow. grants people repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. It's not, oh, I found the truth and so I repent. He grants repentance which leads mm-hmm. to the knowledge of the truth. So all the truth is there, but they're not getting it until God does what? Grants them repentance. Philippians 1.29, God gifts to us believing in Jesus. Ephesians 9. God gifts to us the ability to believe. And I want to say, this is, you brought up Ephesians 2, John. It's amazing to me when I first became reformed, I think the text that really like set in on me was I was like I've been saying it wrong so long was Ephesians 2 where that's the big famous passage where Christians quote Ephesians 2 8 and 9 by grace are you yes. through mm-hmm. faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not according to works lest any man should boast. I have that memorized John because I was quoting it to Mormons outside the temple you know all right. the time so as I'm starting to discover what's the real nature of mankind before Christ and I see Ephesians 2 the same text I had always been in And Paul says there, you are by nature children of wrath. He says, dead in sins and trespasses. He says, you were dead. And then he says, but God made you alive. And then watch this. He says, by grace, you've been saved. So Paul's definition there of the by grace you've been saved is dead but God made you alive. Oh, so when God. I was telling Mormons about the grace of God in Jesus Christ and all these different things, mm-hmm. and I, I was missing, I think, the true depth of God's grace yes. is it was beyond just uh, God's done some things. Now, if you would cooperate and do some things, you and God could work together and hitch up and 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 get this thing completed. No, it's bigger than that. Yes. it's you're dead, yeah. and God makes you alive that's the grace you've been saved so if you want to say all right listen is your definition of god's grace consistent with scripture well it comes down to this paul's definition is you were dead people and god made you alive that's the grace
1: i have an analogy okay what's your analogy, it's a bad analogy Ooh, who's, but who's, who's <laughs> who is that who is that where is he you've been missing for a while Wait, but okay so it's like a drone that crashes
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like it's one,
1: impossible like... to get it back up again on its own yeah <laughs> it needs to be
2: revived mm. I know that yeah you know that yeah. because we were able by God's grace yeah. um, to buy some new equipment for Apologia Studios and we got, guys, I'm so excited. We got a 4K <laughs> drone camera. Every, the game changed, y'all. It doesn't work anymore, The yeah. game changed. Well, Marcus <laughs> well, Pittman. We had a drone Mars camera. Marcus Pittman, as soon as we get it, comes into the studio. I went home to get ready for the class, Apology Academy, ApologyRadio.com. <laughs> mm. And uh, he decides he wants to test fly it mm. inside the studio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crashes it in the studio, tears the propellers off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's no, it's, I mean. not, it's not easy no 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 it's you know, a
0: little it's depravity a, right you there you know, we've, we've talked about how it's not really safe to drive with Marcus in a car no why would we think he could drive a drone
2: good call what was I thinking <laughs> you know what I almost did last night dude I almost said uh, when we we're I was dropping him off yeah. and he was bringing everything in I almost said I'm gonna take it home with me and charge in I'm gonna work with it a little bit cause I got you know all that space yeah and I have something in me that was like eh, just let him try it yeah right? <laughs> And That was it, you know, but here's the thing. Ultimately, God was sovereign over even that. Mm. He's sovereign over little drones, too, right? Rebecca, do you have something you want to say? Yeah,
1: I was just thinking about, you know, uh, Marcus is talking about his analogy, and I had an Arminian, I think it was on your page this week, Jeff, um, a friend of mine, Facebook friend of mine, and, and he said to me, well, aren't we responsible once God calls us to respond? And I said, it's not like it's a telephone call where God calls and we pick up and go, oh God, I want to talk to you. Mm. We can't even acknowledge that it's God. We can't even want to pick up the phone unless he comes into our lives. Yeah,
2: we're running from the telephone. We're running from the phone. It's ringing and we're running away from it. We're trying to set fire to the phone.
4: Yeah, (laughs) has to wrangle us with the phone. And we got that from Adam because Adam didn't have uh, children. Adam and Eve didn't have children until after the fall. and, Uh And their nature after sinning was... To hide from God yep, uh, in the garden rather than run to Him. Yes.
2: So the central part where everything, the hinge right here, is it comes down to the nature of mankind, right? Mm. What is the nature of man's will?
4: nature of man and the sufficiency of grace. That's
2: right. And you know what's interesting here too is Dr. White said something in his discussion on Molinism. Uh, I was listening to it, and it was very good by the way. Um, and uh, he was talking about how most modern evangelical Christians today are functionally Roman Catholics in, term, mm. in in terms of, he said they're, they're, they're Christians without a Pope. Yes. because you know, have the same understanding of grace. Same understanding of grace, same understanding of the will of man, and grace in terms of how that actually, we cooperate with God. So there is a, a very, dis, there's a difference between the Reformed Christian, their view of God's grace and the will of man, and ultimately how God works out salvation and the Arminian, and, and listen, this is not an issue of us saying, well, Arminians aren't Christians. There are Arminian Christians, right? Oh, yeah. I believe that Arminianism to its full conclusion mm-hmm. leads to a false gospel. Right. Um, but there are we're all inconsistent mm-hmm. in some ways. And I thank God for inconsistent Arminians. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, this is an important issue because it does affect the gospel. It does affect
4: the witness of the church. It absolutely does. And it's empowering in our evangelism because we know we don't have to have the, the right nuance in our voice and have the right Right. timing in our joke or uh, just say everything exactly right. God works through imperfect vessels Mm -hmm. with a message that God the Holy Spirit uses to revive and change a person's heart. And it's God who saves that's why we can sleep at night as preachers thinking, oh, my gosh, if I just said it differently, would that person be right. in heaven? Yeah. Would that person be, be different? They, they reject it. Was it me? Was it me? And you can realize I can preach the bold, fierce words of Jesus and know that God, the Holy Spirit, superintends those whom he wishes to call to himself and uses the, the, those words as means. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And it's freeing. It's freeing it to is. know that it's god who saves yes Mm -hmm.
2: yes people make choices they are obligated under a holy god to obey him to come to him but nobody will right nobody will unless god does something and we're Mm -hmm. saying this when god intends to do something by the means of his grace and mercy through this gospel when he does that he can never fail he will not fail and uh, now here's the thing, because people can go, well, wait a minute, though, like that means he's leaving people. Well, yeah, because grace, mm. in order to be grace, must be free. Yeah. That's what, again, I quoted Dr. White like 10 times on the show already say, but that's an excellent way to put that. Grace, in order to be grace, must be free. It's not peanut butter grace that's spread over everything it's and everybody. A
4: powerful, it's a powerful, I would say, effectual grace. Yes. Mm. And, and, uh, hey, I, is, there is, there, is there a website? website? Is there com. a website? That's a good...
2: Yeah, I, I might just look into Is that. Is it effectualgrace.com? Yeah. I think that that's a good domain yeah. name. Yeah. I think you should get that. Everyone's okay. Just okay. That up. And where can they get your
4: book, 12 What Abouts, and answering these questions about Calvinism? Uh, solid Ground Christian Books. You know, it's now in Italian.
2: Oh! It's, oh Italian. Italian. Yeah. There was a chapter called, hey, what Don. about... Hey, Dawn. Uh, <laughs> hey, Don. Look, this Tony so Tony. What Tony. about
4: John 316? It's now... What about Giovanni? Hey, what hey, about Giovanni 316? Hey, forget about it. Forget about it, John Sampson. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful jo- thing John there. speaks three languages now.
2: Hey, look here. Look here. Look here, liver nuts. Look here. Look here. Milky face. Look. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the book. Uh Quel Versero Non Diste Porcheche. Hey, doing it's Tony Spaghetti. It's a good book, John Sampson. I'm going to get that for the kids. For the kids. Uh... We send the boys around. Hey, look here. Put a cannoli on it. Forget about it. (laughs) All right, John Sampson. 12 word abouts, guys. Hey, guys. John Sampson on Apology Academy. Seriously. Sign up. $7.95 is your donation every month. You get all the content, plus Apology Academy. I'm so, so excited about what we're going to be coming up with in the next next couple of months, including our drone camera footage and all of our stuff when we fix it, Marcus (laughs) Pittman. It's fixed. Okay. Oh, okay, <laughs> that I
1: hope I'm scared to fly at the sea but I'm pretty outs, sure it's outside. Fixing. Outside.
4: <laughs> did you fix it by a monogistic work or did you get help?
1: Uh, that was a synergistic work. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's Luke the Bear. Peace out. That's Rebecca the Lady. Hey, hey, hey. That's Marcus King Ginger. Hey, Samson Claus. Mm-hmm. John Samson. <laughs> hey All right, guys. Man, hey, be on the lookout for an apology or raffle coming soon. Oh yeah! Next week we'll announce it. Yeah, huh. we're gonna have it at a raffle, guys. What we did last year where we actually put you into our raffle. We will fly you out to Arizona to have dinner with us, the staff at Meat Fest 2015. Yes, sir. Meat Meat Fest. Yeah. Margaret's can stay home. They have a great Mm, salad bar too, so relax. All right. All right. We will fly you out. We will take you to Meat Fest at dinner. We'll put you up in a hotel, and you're going to spend a day with us in the studio. That will be what you guys get as part of this. um, uh, What did we call it last year? Was it just Meat Fest?
0: It was was, uh, dinner, dinner, pick a winner.
2: Dinner, dinner, pick a winner. We're going to do it again, guys, so get ready for it. We're announcing next week you can participate. We'll fly you out to Arizona. You get to hang out with us. And we had a great time last year with Dakota from Canada. Hey. All right, guys. Thank you for listening, apologiaradio.com. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at apologiaradio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at apologiachurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the Word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. and that's Joy Tempe. Hey there, we are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is
0: Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church, like Jeff mentioned. We are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road in Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com.
2: Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory!